but it, it is coming, so it should be very, very exciting. And it's good to see Debbie uh, Prothrow here with us this morning, and um, hallelujah. Steve is getting his staples out today, and his uh, antibiotics are going to be, Lord willing, just pray that the infection stays down, and he will be done Tuesday with that, so hallelujah. I told her before church that uh, I have a staple remover in my office. We, I could have done it like Friday, but... <laughs> he probably would have said yes 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 get me out of here absolutely but amen so he is uh, planning on being back with us and in the meantime we have uh, 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 pastor brandon and also um we have another gal that will be coming i think in a couple weeks as well so the lord is blessing us with some nice worship leaders and we do not have to worry about a thing so hallelujah take your bibles open them to philippians we are in the second chapter, and I, I just have to say a, a couple things. Number one, uh, Pastor David preached last Sunday, and he basically preached the introduction to my message today. Uh, it was uh, just, you'll, you'll notice some similarities, it's just amazing. And then also, I don't, uh, as I've said before, I don't plan the worship service. I leave that to the worship leaders, and um, I'm always amazed, and I take it as a wonderful confirmation of how he just brings the thoughts all together that point to what we're sharing this morning, almost like a confirmation for a prophetic utterance in some ways. But we're talking about the name of Jesus. And I said to Brandon before the service, I said, you didn't, you didn't, you don't know where I'm going, right? He was here two weeks ago. I said, you don't know where I'm going. He said, I mean, in Philippians, he said, no, I didn't know. But those last songs, it's the name of Jesus, and that's what we're going to be talking about, the exaltation of Christ this morning, the exaltation of Christ. We talked uh, two weeks ago in verse 5, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, and we talked about his humility. Uh, we discussed the whole concept of God becoming flesh, and what an incredible and bewildering and mysterious thing that is, but we are so glad that he did it. And we're into verse 9 now. Let's just read verses 9, 10, and 11 of Philippians 2. Therefore, that is, based on everything that Paul has just said, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Different translations have it differently, but I, I like the, the definite article there. Given him the name which is above every name, that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, and those on the earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the farmer. The, the father. I jumped ahead of myself because I have a joke about a farmer. Lord, help us. It's setting in so early. Because um, <laughs> it's about humility. And we know that humility, of course, is the foundation for exaltation. There can be no exaltation without humility. And so humility is the characteristic that we need to have in our lives. And there was a, there was a humble farmer that was new to town, and he wanted to visit this particular church. So he went in, and he, he was a poor farmer, and he just had his clothes. They were clean, but they were just old and, and tattered. And uh, after the service, he noticed that certain people were sort of gossiping about him and making fun about his clothes, and he sort of felt bad. And the pastor came up to him after the service and said, uh, you know, sir, in this town, we get dressed up for church. And uh, 
he said, well, pastor, I, I appreciate that, but I'm just a humble farmer. I, 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 don't, I don't have too many better clothes than these. What shall I do? And the pastor said, well, you pray to Jesus about it, and he'll tell you what to do. So next week he comes back. He tried to get some more clothes, but they were still sort of old farmer kind of clothes, and they didn't really look much better than, than they did the week before. And, and the pastor came up to him and said, didn't I tell you to ask Jesus what to wear when you came here? And he said, yes, sir, you did. And he said, did you do that? He said, yes, sir, I did. And what did Jesus tell you to wear? And the, and, and the man said, well, to be honest, pastor, he didn't know because he said he'd never been to this church either. <laughs> Humility. We, we, we want humble people. He wants humble people in his, in his body. And Paul, we know, was in the middle of being totally debased. He was under house arrest. He was in custody. Uh, he could not do as he wished. There was a trial coming. He was, a, he was soon, as he told Timothy, he was soon to be poured out as a drink offering. He was about to die. So he was about as low as you could be, but he accepted by faith that his humility and sacrifice would reap rewards spiritually. And we give the basis of this thought here today as humility always leads to exaltation. True godly humility do always leads to exaltation. The truly humble do not want exaltation, but they get it anyway. Because the Bible says that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due season, he will exalt you. So it's a, it's a byproduct. There's humility, and the byproduct is always exaltation. The word says exaltation or promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. It comes from the Lord. So we have this exaltation. The truly humble, however, know how to handle the exaltation. That's why Paul told, uh, told Timothy or Titus, uh, lay hands on no man suddenly. In other words, don't, don't exalt or don't promote a person who's not ready spiritually for it because it could puff them up and they'll be in trouble. So humility always leads to exaltation. Is it, is it wrong to expect blessing? No, of course not. It's not wrong. But I do believe it's wrong to expect blessing just to feel good and be happy. That's not what it's about. Uh, we expect blessing not just to accumulate things to ourselves. We expect blessing so we can bless others. That's the cycle of blessing. We receive so we can give. And the, when the blessing cycle is done for the humble person who gives out of his need or out of his blessing, when that blessing cycle is done, we end up with more at the end than we had at the beginning. Because that's the way God blesses us, as his channel. So Paul gives us an example of the ultimate exaltation, and that, of course, is Jesus. And we're going to draw our thoughts from these three verses, verses 9 through 11. First of all, notice the promotion of Jesus. The word says, therefore, God has also highly exalted him. Now, this is, again, the part of that mystery. This is God exalting himself, because God is Jesus, and Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit, it's all three. And, and so, so you could almost picture this. This is a silly example. It's, it's somewhat silly and meaningless, but I think it maybe proves a point. You could picture a company with three CEOs, each own not 33% of the company, each own 100% of the company. Well, therefore, it doesn't make sense right from the start. But each owns 100% of the company. So here's the three CEOs, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And God says, okay, I'm going to earth, and I will be Jesus. Holy Spirit, can you help Jesus accomplish our goal? And the Holy Spirit says, yes, I will be with him, 
and in him without measure. So Jesus says, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go. Remember a couple weeks ago we said a body he has formed. A body is prepared for him. So then God says, well, now after you're done, I will exalt you back to your position of authority. And the Holy Spirit, yes, I'll make that happen. And that's why Peter, in his preaching on, on uh, Pentecost Sunday and, and in other portions, he said that the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus with power. And this is the Jesus, Romans the 8th chapter, who raised, this is the Holy Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So this is a picture, this promotion of Jesus is a picture of the sacrifice and the salvation that began and ended in God. It was done from before the foundations of the earth. The suffering and the vindication were all part of the same plan. The death and the resurrection were already pre-planned and already executed and taken care of. Before Eve even ate the fruit, God already had a seed coming through the disobedient woman that would destroy the serpent. How does that make any sense? How does God create a perfect seed through a disobedient servant? Who would ever make such a plan? How, how could God use the sinner to create the Savior? Doesn't make sense. How could he use the flawed to bring forth the perfect? Uh, see, when, I, when we were going over these topics last time, my brother-in-law after church said, thank you, I'm more confused now than I ever was. And I said, great, that's my job. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense how this God could do that. And all through the Old Testament, we see the, the plan and the timing unfolding. Uh, next week, we're actually going to go a little bit off of Philippians. We're going to go to Psalm 110, the most quoted passage in Scripture. And it's a conversation between God and himself. Yeah, I love it when God talks to himself, because whenever God talks to himself, I get blessed. When I interject myself into the conversation, then things go sideways. The Lord says that for when God made this promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely in blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation for them is, ends all strife. Wherein God willingly more abundantly to show forth the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by these two things, the writer of Hebrews says, the promise and the oath in which it was impossible for God to lie, we now have consolation, we have hope, and we have an anchor for our soul, all because of the promise and the oath of God Almighty. So this exaltation that occurred in Jesus came as a pattern for us, but it also shows us it begins in humility. So that's the first point. The second point is, as he goes on, we see the power of Jesus. And he said, I have given him the name which is above every name. What name is that? The name. The name. Now we use the name Jesus because that's all we have because we're still down here. But he says, I've given him the name. Paul says in Ephesians 1, far above all principality and power and dominion and might and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Well, that's interesting. That tells me three things. Number one, the name of Jesus has power over every name right now. The paralytic man in Mark, the ninth chapter, Jesus, remember the story, said, your sins are forgiven. And immediately there was an uproar. How blasphemous. How could, God, how could Jesus forgive sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus said, is it easier for me to forgive sins or to say to this man, rise and walk? 
so that you'll know that the Son of Man has power on earth. I'm so glad that he added those two words. Power on earth, he said, take up your bed and walk. And he was healed. Power, not just in heaven, not just in Bangladesh, not just on Mars, power on earth. Hmm. Two blind men came to him and said, can you, can you heal us? And he said, do you believe that I have power to do this? Jesus rebuked demons in the spirit realm. He healed people in the earthly realm. He sent demons into pigs, and he pulled Satan down from the air. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He saved the sinner. Winds stopped at his word. Storms ceased. He made the water in an ocean behave, and but he also turned water into wine whenever he wanted to do it. What name can do that? Only the name of Jesus. But there's more than that. Because this says also to me that the name of Jesus has power over everything yet to come. Because he said the age that's coming. This age and the age to come. Well, then that presupposes that he knows what's coming. And he already has power over it. I love Revelation 19th chapter. Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he makes war and his eyes were like a flame of fire and his head were many crowns and he had a name that no one knew except himself. Do you think you know Jesus? Folks, you don't know nothing yet. (laughs) We don't know anything about this yet. Paul went to the third heaven, saw things that could not be uttered, and all he could say was, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, Horus hath entered the heart of man what God has prepared for his people. You know, this is the good thing about this, is the one that has the hidden name is also the one that's going to give out all the names to all of us. Hallelujah. His name is not even known to us. We say Jesus, but there's another name he has. And I don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. Matter of fact, to Pergamos, the church in Revelation, he said, to him who overcomes, I will give a white stone with a name on it that no one knows except him who receives it. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? The one with the unknown name has a name just for you. There's a name just for you and Jesus, and nobody else knows what it is. You don't even know what it is, but you got it. Isn't that wonderful? To Philadelphia, to him who overcomes, I will make a pillar, and I will write on them the name of my God and of the city of God. Someday, we're going to see his face, and we'll see his name on our foreheads. Don't worry, the name is there right now. It's just written in invisible ink. You can't see it right now. But someday, when the glory shines, you'll see the name that's been on your forehead for the whole time. You'll see the name that Jesus gave you from the day you were born. You'll see the name Jesus gave you as you walk through your whole life. And you'll see it and you'll understand it. What name? That name. The name. The name which is above every name. So I've got news for you this morning. The name which is above every name, past, present, and future, is already on my forehead right now. That means that I'm already exalted with him in that place right now. Hallelujah. How many times do we get worried about names that are out there? Words that are out there. Letters that form together to make a word and we get afraid of the word. Well, we've got the name on our forehead. Why should I be afraid of any word that's, that's a bunch of consonants and vowels mixed together? It's just 
a name. <laughs> I've got a name that's above that name. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so that's, that's the second thing that we have is the power that's in the name of Jesus. But Paul goes on. And he says not only is there power, but he says there is preeminence in his name. Verse 10, that the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. Those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. Now this is, this is a very strange passage again. So we're going to give you several different interpretations for this. And you could pick which one you want because it all leads the same direction back to Jesus. So Paul could be referring to a physical place under the earth. Uh, Ephesians 4, he who ascended is first, he who descended into the lower parts of the earth and led a host of captives out of captivity and gave gifts to men. Well, is there an actual cavity deep in the earth where dead people's spirits roamed around? I don't know. how How do you hold spirits in rock? There's a big cave with stuff in there and Spirits are wandering around, banging into the walls? I don't know. Could be. Could be. Or, or was it just in the Old Testament? And now it's empty. Could be. I, I will say this. It is odd that we can go 238,000 miles to the moon, but we can't go 2,000 miles down into the earth. Center of the earth, I think, is like 3,000 miles. So that's... Is it a forbidden zone? We just can't get there because there's spooky stuff there. I don't know. I have no idea. So it could be a physical thing. That's fine. Or it could be, Paul is saying, every physical being in Jewish thought, the earth swallows up evil people and they disappear. Remember the sons of Korah? The earth swallowed them up and they fell in. And So to the Jewish mind, this, this upper, middle, and lower means every cosmic realm. So not necessarily literal, but every cosmic realm. If at any time you had a knee or a tongue, you're going to bow and confess. So if you had a knee or a tongue 10,000 years ago, you're going to bow and confess. If you have a knee 5,000 years from now, should God tarry, you're going you're to bow and confess. Whatever human has ever existed, they will bow and they will confess. So it could be a, a, a physical being that is spoken of there. Or it could be a realm of existence. Is Paul speaking metaphorically? Is he speaking allegorically? In other words, every sentient being that has ever existed will bow and confess. So no matter when you lived, how you lived, what realm you lived in, if you lived on Mars, if you were some alien that lived in some other place, who knows, I don't know, wherever you lived in this universe, you're going to bow. You're going to bow. You're going to confess. Don't worry, Cain, we know what you did to Abel, you're going to confess. Don't worry, Nimrod, great hunter, you're not going to escape the bow of God's wrath. Don't worry. Saracen to Caesar, it doesn't matter. You're going to bow. Everybody's going to bow. Nero to Napoleon, you're going to bow. The guy that shafted you at your work, he's going to bow. The CEO that fired you, they're going to bow. Your idiot cousin is going to bow. Everybody is going to bow. Go ahead, dig a hole as far as you possibly can into the earth. You will still confess because his confession is deeper than your hole. Fly to the moon with Frank Sinatra, right? (laughs) Get as far as you can. It doesn't matter where you go. 
the confession is there. You will have to confess. Travel to another dimension. Scientists are telling us there's other universes. Doesn't matter how many universes there are. Doesn't matter who's there. They're going to confess. They're going to bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus is Lord. Listen, my friend. You don't have to worry. Everyone's going to confess. You don't have to wonder how it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and I don't know how it's going to happen. You can wonder when it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can wonder if it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Everything is going to bow to Jesus one day in the end and every tongue will confess so once again stop for a moment and look at your life what words are bothering you what names are bothering you what name did the doctor just tell you it's just a name what thought just came into your mind it's just a thought Everything is beneath his name. Now that gives me great comfort, but it also helps me. Because remember, I've told you, I'm slow. I I, I take things slowly. I, I digest things slowly. And I like simplicity. So that means I only have to concentrate on one thing in my life. The name. That's all I have to concentrate on. That's all I have to think about. The name. Not a name, not some name, just the name. And no matter what's happening in my life, if I'm sick, flat on my back, all I have to do is concentrate on the name. Not healing, not salvation, not deliverance, that's all great. Start with just the name. I remember reading a testimony of a woman who was in a psych unit. She'd totally lost her mind. Totally. Was not born again. Knew nothing. Had nothing. Totally lost her mind. This was probably back in, back in the 50s and 60s. Put her in a, an insane asylum. Strapped her to a bed. Filled her with all kind of drugs. She didn't know what in the world to do. She was almost comatose. And all she said, I remember darkness just coming at me from every direction. Darkness coming. Darkness coming. Darkness in my mind. Darkness in my ears. Darkness in my face. I didn't know what it was. But she said, I remembered something from Sunday school. <laughs> when I was a child... And she said, all I could remember, I couldn't remember any scriptures, I couldn't remember Bible stories, but I remembered one name. I remembered the name of Jesus. And she said, I remember laying in that cot, strapped down, totally insane, and she said, all I said was under my breath, Jesus. <laughs> And she said, all of a sudden, I could say it louder. And I said it louder and louder until all of a sudden, I spoke it fully out loud. And the darkness fled. There's only one, There's only one name I'm going to have to answer to. People will often say to me when, when in pastoring, well, you know, a lot of times you have to worry about, you know, what, how you say and what people think and how people feel and things like that. And, and, and we try to be sensitive to everybody. But folks, I'm not going to stand before you on Judgment Day. 
I'm going to stand before Jesus on Judgment Day. All I have to be concerned about is, am I doing what Jesus called me to do? And the moment that I don't know that, the moment I need to resign. All we need to worry about is Jesus. You get up in the morning. Father God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I thank you that whatever name is named in this day, 12 hours from now, 14 hours from now, all I know is that you are already above that name. I don't know what the doctor is going to say at my doctor's appointment this week. I don't know what, what my boss is going to tell me two weeks from now. But all I know is wherever that event is, you're already there. And the name is already there. I don't know. I don't know when my mother is going to pass away. I don't know when my wife's going to pass away. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the. But all I know is Jesus is already there. And all I have to do is concentrate on his name. So, there's the preeminence of his name. And finally, one last point, the purpose of Jesus. Paul sums it all up. He says, all of this that happened to Jesus, the humility, the debasement, the, the incredible punishment for sin, the hanging on the cross, then all the exaltation, being brought back to the Father, every name that is named, all of these things occurred for one purpose and he closes it by saying that in the verse 11, to the glory of God the Father. It, it, that's, that's our purpose. I, I know some of you think that your purpose might be to make a lot of money and then retire in a little cabin somewhere in the woods. That's great. There's no problem with that. That's fine. But that's not your purpose. Oh, my purpose is to be the best blank, whatever. That's great. Strive for perfection in your life. But that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to bring glory to God the Father. That's our sole purpose. Wasn't it Augustine that said that? The sole purpose of man is to bring glory to God. That's it. That's our sole purpose. And, and isn't, in the long run, isn't there really any other reason to live than to just to bring Jesus to, bring glory to Jesus? There really isn't. There shouldn't really be. And, and I do believe that the older you get, uh, the more you realize that, boy, just, there's just really nothing else really fun in life. <laughs> I mean, there's some cool things here and there. But you know what? You really could start taking most of it away and just leave me Jesus. And I'd probably be just as satisfied. Yeah. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy things, that we shouldn't own things, that we shouldn't have a little fun. But the end result for all of us should be, Father, how can I glorify your name in the earth? How can I glorify your name in my family, in my friends? How can I keep glorifying your name? She, uh, she just, for those of you who didn't know, she says there's a name she doesn't like right now, and it's a good point. Ian. The hurricane. Because it's heading toward her house in Florida. <laughs> hey, I can't disagree. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law in Sarasota are packing up their things, getting ready to probably take a road trip to Ohio. Uh, but it's still a name. It's still a name. And the goal for us 
And we'll use that to pray. We'll, we'll, pray for, we'll pray for Florida. The goal for us, of course, is how to keep our name exalted over everything. How do I keep your name, Jesus? As was just said, how do I keep your name exalted over my fears? Over my worries? Over my faults? How do I keep your name exalted over my victories? How do I keep your name exalted over my blessings? Oh, you've blessed me, Lord. Now am I exalting the blessing? I've got to get back to exalting you. How do I keep your name exalted over my spouse? Over my children? Over all my possessions? How do I keep your name in the only place that it should be? Exalted over everything. It's hard. Because we're still in the flesh. It's hard. But I know that's the purpose of the humiliation and humility of Jesus was to show us the pathway to the Father is through exaltation, exaltation to his throne. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we do lift up the millions of people that are in harm's way right now in Florida. Many of our relatives there, friends, associates, companions, we lift them up to you, Father. But we know that it is just a name And we're not going to be afraid of a name. We're only going to fear the name of Jesus. And so, Father, whatever we're going through this morning, however difficult it might be, the pathway that seems so blocked, so frightened at every level, so dark, help us to lift up our eyes off of these circumstances, off of these things, and say, I'm going to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, the one who has the name, which is above every other name. And Father, as we do that, we're going to find more and more success and strength in our walk. We thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise his name. Stand together. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know that as you go, you don't have to concentrate on a liturgy, a regime or regimen of some type of spirituality. You don't have to think about a list of do's and don'ts. Am I doing this? Am I praying the right direction? Am I praying at the right time? Does my mat hit the floor at the right way? None of those things. All you have to do is concentrate on one name. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm glad God's simple. Aren't you? (laughs) Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. You're dismissed. Go forth in that wonderful name. The name of Jesus higher than any other name.